0: Shall we begin? Let's begin now. All right, everybody. I am back from my hiatus. Um, as we all know, uh, my mom passed uh, a couple months ago, and I am back on the mic. Today I have a, a special guest. Uh, it's funny because... When I heard my guest and what he told me he does and, and how he does it and who he does it for, I was kind of taken back a little bit because I didn't understand. So I had to ask the question, what exactly is that? So I'd like to introduce everybody to Adam. He is what we call a Christian apologist. So Adam, please explain to my audience what that exactly means, because I was thrown aback from that and I didn't understand what it meant.
1: Sure. Well, thanks for the the introduction, Francisco. Um, so Christian apologetics is uh, essentially a focus on defending the Christian faith. It derives from the Greek word apologia or apologia, which is used quite frequently in the original Greek uh, manuscripts for the New Testament. And it's simply to defend the faith. Uh, Peter talks about this in like 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Be prepared to share the reasons for the hope that you have um and then Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 10 chapter 5 it's it's pretty much just showing a defense for the faith and of course um for me particularly I like to target the skeptical atheist and agnostic audiences um that don't think that Christianity is reasonable and my
0: my goal is to show them that it is so but that term it, it's mm-hmm. it can throw some people off though so why is it that such a is such a powerful term that you use? Because you use it quite a bit, and it's I mean it's it's in your email, it's in everything you do. Do you find that that particular statement, the way you, you phrase it and say it, has power when you're speaking to people?
1: I mean, everybody, especially in the in the realm that I'm in, is familiar with apologetics. So it kind of it labels you to a certain extent. People are aware if they're speaking to somebody who is a, a Christian as opposed to a Christian apologist, if somebody is uh, looking to, it depends on what their motives are, right? But they'll they'll be aware, this guy is probably likely to want to try to convince me that Christianity is true and or has a defense prepared. Not that people who aren't apologists don't, but that's just, that's what the reputation for apologist is.
0: So do you yourself have a ministry that you uh, you teach people and you minister to people?
1: Yeah, it's not huge or anything, but my brother and I run what's called Truth Over Tea Apologetics. So if you you can find us on Facebook and on YouTube and TikTok, mainly YouTube and TikTok is where we do most of our work. Um, And It's just one word, Truth Over Tea. And so what I'll do is I'll at least once a week, especially now that TikTok has unbanned me, I was banned for a little bit. um, I'll go live for at least once a week and I'll stay on for several hours and I'll bring on guests, skeptical guests, folks that have troubles, whether it's an intellectual challenge, an emotional challenge to Christianity. And I'll try to talk them through whatever their issue may be. Nine times out of 10, probably not going to convince them to change while I'm talking to them. But sometimes there's 10, sometimes there's a thousand people watching. It just depends. And there could be one person that was watching that a seed may have been planted in, which is my goal. And so, and and this goes for anybody, I, you know, you had noticed that I always wear some sort of clothing that has It's some sort of something about Christ or Christianity, the Bible. And I do that on purpose because I want people to, hey, are you Christian? Just the other day at the park, this woman and her husband stopped me because I was wearing a shirt that said binged Jesus. And she just said, she just started crying. She said, this is a divine appointment. And she started explaining these struggles that she's had. She grew up in a pastor's home. She was the daughter of a pastor and she had been just mistreated by him. And so this has kind of pushed her away from Christ and so we had a, a conversation, a tough conversation. I can't say that it it worked, but th- that's what my goal is. That's what I want to do. I want to to get the message, the truth of Christianity across to people.
0: So faith, I mean, it's important to have faith, but I mean, devil's advocate here. Uh, you have a lot of people that they are, they have different faiths. You have, you have Islam, you have Judaism. Uh, you got people who are Buddhist. You have people who follow completely different Uh, different faiths, but do you feel like the path that you're, you're on is the path that was chosen for you at a young age? Or at what age did you figure this was the path that I had to walk?
1: I mean, I grew up in the church, but I didn't get into apologetics seriously until two years ago. I first got my taste of it when my brother got interested in apologetics, who runs Truth Over Tea with me back in 2017 um sadly it was after my brother died um that so my my youngest brother died we're not really sure what the circumstances are there're still a lot of questions that were to answer but ultimately as terrible as that was it brought our family together unfortunately that usually happens and you know, that's what it will take some time so my brother and I started hanging out a lot more my middle brother and he's always been <clears throat> on fire for the lord he's got his masters in divinity now he's a middle school teacher for Bible, Bible school, and he's looking to start his own church. Um, he got me into the scientific side of apologetics, showing that the Bible doesn't disagree with science and that there are ways to argue for the validity of things like Genesis and other aspects of the Bible through science. And then from there, I kind of dabbled with it, and my opinion had been kind of shaped by that there is this truth behind Christianity. It's not It's not about blind faith. There is evidence for this belief. There's good reasons to believe it's true other than a personal experience. And then in 2022 or 2021, early 2021, late 2020, I just got this spark. Part of it started from watching the series The Chosen, actually, and i just remember thinking to myself you know i started having children i have young three young kids and being married i've i've been pushing myself to live more of the life that christ would honor and be happy and be proud of and um trying to just do everything possible to follow his wisdom and it just continued to spark this this flame inside of me and then i started watching debates and then it just it just went from there watching the arguments from the opposition and just think is that what people really think and then it just, it just spiraled from there. And and I love it. You know, I, I, I don't care if we disagree. I'm going to try to spread, I'm, I'm going to try to tell you the truth as much as possible. If I see someone on fire, I'm going to get a bucket of water and dump it on them. I don't care if they get upset with me or not.
0: So you have, you have different sects of Christianity and obviously a lot of these sects don't, don't typically believe any you know in certain things that the other one does like Catholicism is different from Lutherism, uh from being a Lutheran, you have Protestants. I mean, it's a whole slew. Uh they all they're all Christian, but they all follow a different path in Christianity, which can create conflict within <laughs> within the faith. So how do we bridge those gaps? Because in, in a sense we're it's all praising the same person. It's all praising God. So how do those how do those bridges get, you know, get unburnt? Because some of these uh, bridges are burnt to the ground. Some of these people can't get along with each other at all. You know, you got places like West West Barrow Baptist Church, they're like extremists when it comes to certain things, but they believe in in Christianity. So how do we overcome those things for us to all come together to be able to just have a civil conversation without somebody calling somebody else a blasphemer or saying, this is wrong. Mm. You know, you're interpreting the Bible the wrong way.
1: Well, I think a lot of it is, especially nowadays, a lot of that is more hype than real. Like most of it comes from certain leaders within churches that are just not they're they're not leading their their people in the right direction. Cause ultimately, like in the scholarly realm, Catholics and Protestants of all sorts, Eastern Orthodox, they get together and they they talk about their differences in theology where they agree and where they don't where they don't agree. And this just helps us kind of grow in our position. There's nothing wrong with having disagreements on issues that are not salvific, as long as it has nothing to do with, you know, Jesus is God. Jesus is the, the bridge to getting to heaven. You have to believe in Christ. He is our salvation through grace. That is how we are saved, although the Catholics would say you need works, too. But uh, they they won't ignore the the grace part, right? That That is these are our things that every Christian agrees with. So the theological differences ultimately don't change whether someone is or isn't saved. So when we have, we can have disagreements, and that's okay because I think that what it does is it gives us a form of diversity so we can accept people from different opinions. So rather than limiting everything to one theological interpretation, so long as the salvific issues aren't touched, we can bring in people who have, hey, well, I think differently here. As long as we're not changing like obvious scripture. For example, I'm a what's called a young earth creationist. I think that Genesis ought to be taken literally. I think God created the earth in six literal days. And I don't think that the earth is billions of years old. Now, there are many Christians who are what's called a theistic evolutionist or a, um, an old earth creationist where they think that the earth is billions of years old. And then the theistic evolutionists would think that similar to Darwinian evolution, we evolved over time and that's just not mentioned in Genesis, but it it matches it. Do I agree with them? No, but I would never say that they're not saved. We just have different opinions of how things of how we're convicted. And so I think it's the same with theology. There's no reason to exclude people because they have a difference of opinion. So long as we're not actually, you know, we're there's two different ways to read, scripture. There's eisegesis and exegesis. Exegesis is when you're actually trying to interpret the text for what it says, as opposed to eisegesis, when you're just putting your own narrative into the text and you're reading what you want it to say. Does that make sense?
0: That It does. And it's very interesting because uh, you, you have a lot of preachers that'll, you know, take chunks of what they're saying in the Bible and interpret it in a way that they feel is the correct way. Um, it's like you have and I know I don't know if you heard them, but prosperity preachers, people like Cleflo Dollar, people like uh uh the guy that runs the Lakewood Church. Uh, um <laughs> those guys <laughs> kind of frustrate me a little bit because they, they're preaching God, but at the same time, you know, they're saying that you know God wants you to be rich, like literally, he wants you to be physically rich, but that's not the kind of rich I think God was talking about. I think it's more of a like a self-fulfillment of, you know, of self and and knowing, you know, worth and knowing that God loves you and all that. But these guys take advantage of their flock. And that's what I think turns a lot of people off when it comes to Christianity is because the abuse of those uh, so-called, you know, uh, men work that do the work of God, which, you know, their job flying around their two hundred sixty million dollar you know private jets. Cause that's the only way they know how to, <laughs> how to contribute to society and spread the word of God, which to me, it's ridiculous, but that's just my opinion on it. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, well, to be as gracious as possible, right? The TD Jakes and Creflo Dollar, Joel Osteen, Kenneth Copeland, all that. If you're a pastor and you have that much money, it seems to me that you should be doing more. Like you shouldn't have a three hundred million dollar mansion like Kenneth Copeland has. Um, you're you're not spending your money where it's supposed to be. Like what would Jesus say to that? Well, oh, nice. You got how many people in your pulpit that are starving that barely can pay their rent? But you have a three. You know, you have Creflo Dollar convinced his his pulpit to buy him a jet. Like this is this is obviously not the word of God. And this is people manipulating scripture, which is a powerful tool is a very powerful tool. it's been used for terrible things in the past things like the Crusades um, and, and many other atrocities burning witches, things like that in the past. so now it's it's no it's, it's the same story, just different tune. That's really all it is. and so we 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 have to be and this is one of the issues with the lack of intellectual growth in the Christian belief nowadays. I'm gonna go to church on Sunday, listen to the pastor and that's it. do my week. I'll go back Sunday and I'm a Christian again. And it's just, there's not really any desire for growth with Christ. You're not growing with Christ. If you're just going to church on Sunday as an, as like a, a, a transaction, you know, you, you need to be building your relationship and anybody who's truly doing that. will see right through these people right away. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have a church.
0: I like that. I like that saying. It's not, it's not a transaction. That's that's, that's a pretty good, because I think that's what a lot of people think they, you know, they go to church on Sunday, they did their good deed. And then the rest of the week, they can do whatever they want to do. I'm a realist. Listen, I, I'm not the most pious guy. You know what I mean? I cuss. I get angry. But I understand, you know, at the end of the day, I'm only human and I, I'm going to make mistakes. But I acknowledge the fact that I make mistakes. A lot of people don't do that. They think they can go back, you know, Sunday and, and wash it all away and start the new the week new again. That's not how I view when I when I step into a church. I, I understand I make mistakes and I try to listen. And I try to read between... The lines, if you I don't know if you understand what I mean by that from the scripture. I don't try to take this scripture literally. Um, because in my opinion, this is my opinion, the Bible's been rewritten a lot. You know what I mean? And interpretations have been made differently. You know, it was it was translated into Greek. Uh, then I believe it was uh translated into English and then translated in other languages as well. Um, the original language, I believe, was Aramaic. Um, so there are certain things in the Bible that I will not take literally, but there are certain things that I believe actually happened, like the flood. It has been proven through time. Different uh, cultures that ne- knew nothing about each other has the flood in their in their in their belief system. So there are certain things that I do believe happened in the Bible, but you know I don't take everything literally, literally um, like a lot of people do. Where you know, come on, half the sins that we we talk about now, eating shrimp is a sin. You know what I mean? Technically. You know, if you, if your wife is in the home while she's you know having that time of the month, it's a sin. So, it, you can't literally take everything. It's I view it as guidelines. That's just that's just my opinion. I view it as guidelines, but I, I listen. To me, it's more about the message than the ritual. You know what I mean by that? Well, so
1: do you mind if I address a couple? Yeah, of, things of course. You said okay. So to start with, they may have spoken Aramaic then. Um, some of them maybe spoke Hebrew but the the farthest language back that we have in manuscripts would be greek so we we have the most manuscripts too were would be in koine greek so we have over 5500 koine greek manuscripts of the new testament dating back to as close as the uh, early 2nd century which I believe that the New Testament was written in uh, all before 70 AD. You'll have some people say it was written later than that, especially skeptical scholars, but um, I, I have good arguments to, to believe that it was written before 70 AD. So we have very, we're very close. In fact, compared to all ancient documents, especially of the antiquity period, the New Testament is by far the most documented. It's it's not even close. The closest to it would be Homer, the work from, um, I'm sorry, I, I can't think of Homer's story now, the Iliad. And this is another ancient document. We have 1,800 copies at most, and they were from way afterwards. Like the work we have from Plato and stuff like that, this is up to 800 years later, whereas we have the New Testament manuscripts that close. So I would be very confident to say with the New Testament particularly, we can take it confidently that we have an accurate New Testament. We know what the New Testament says, because we have so much evidence to back it up. Now, the Old Testament is a little more difficult because we have as far back as the Dead Sea Scrolls for the majority, which goes back to third century at the latest BC. Um, And then we we have like one Deuteronomy scroll that was found from seventh century BC. Now, the Old Testament, like the Torah, for example, what Moses wrote, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, This was supposed to have been written during the time of Exodus, which at the earliest or at the farthest back would be 15th century BC. Soonest would be 13th century BC. So uh, nowhere near, you know, like they're they're very far off. But then again, we don't really have like to have that would be insane to have documents on papyrus that's that old and and preserved. So now as far as the eating shrimp, having your wife in the house during your time of the month, those kinds of things, those would be traditions that were held under the old covenant. So under the new covenant, we don't need to follow those. Those were specifically held in the Mosaic law because at that time God was trying to, and this is one of my, this is one of my big areas of focus is the Mosaic law because it's very, the skeptics use it very much so to attack Christianity. So this is a time that God had used to make very strict, but not so strict. If you think about it, because Jesus is more strict. If you, if you really look at it, you can't do these things because I want to separate you from these other cultures. I want you to be my people, the children of Israel, right? Israel, those that wrestle with God. And ultimately he's trying to keep them away from the the evil cultures around, you know, the uh, Amalekites and other people that were doing heinous things, sacrificing children, cannibalism, all sorts of terrible things. Um, And they were of course, worshiping all sorts of other false gods like the God of Moloch, right? Where they would, have Moloch sit there as a hot molten statue, light the hands up to where they'd be, you know, bright red, and then they'd put their babies on top of the the hands, burn them to death, and be playing drums really loudly, so you couldn't hear the baby screaming. Like, God wanted to separate them, and so these rituals played a role in separating them and showing their commitment to God amongst this culture, whereas when Christ came, now we are under a new covenant, and Paul even talks about a lot of the things that we used to practice. Now you have Messianic Jews who believe in Christ that will still follow the Old Testament laws, or the the uh, ceremonial laws. But under the New Testament, we're not. I don't see why we would be obligated to do so. Like Christ died for our sins. We we now look at our world. Our entire Western culture is shaped by Christianity, whether they want to admit it or not. A lot of the laws we have today derive from scripture. Like, we didn't, Rome didn't have laws that protected individual rights. So, you know, non-religious cultures didn't have that. That started from Christian Western culture, and that spread throughout the world, mainly in the West, but it's all throughout the world. So, like, the, the leading abolition of slavery movements, these started in Christian societies. Now, unfortunately, there's still slavery today, but not in Christian-founded countries. You won't, at least not legal. So, right. This is a lot of the Old Testament um, ceremonial laws. We we don't have to follow them anymore because we are now under a new covenant. We've gotten to that next step where Christ is coming. So now it's time to preach the word to get everybody to come on board before Christ comes back.
0: So for right now Christianity is, is is a hot topic. Like even if you bring up God or Christianity, people lose their absolute minds. Now it's like it's like a bad thing. It's like you can't touch Christianity. I mean, why? people don't realize christianity was in africa long before it was 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 uh in the west it, it's that would, this is what people don't understand like people think that christianity was forced upon people when christianity was in was already in africa before it came out this way to the west and people and, and people can't comprehend that they think it's something that was forced upon people and it wasn't um so what do you make of that what do you make of that of that truth that people have this thing in their head where they think that Christianity was forced upon everybody across the world when in it was, it was already in the cradle of life in Africa long before it came this way.
1: So uh, two parts, I would I'd answer to that. Number one, we have this issue of injecting what's called postmodernism into our culture where they think that the truth is not objective, which that statement in and of itself is self-refuting. The truth has to be objective because if there is no objective truth, there's no truth. Like at the end of the day, if somebody says, well, the truth is not, it's the truth is relative. And then I would just ask them, well, is that statement relative? And then, you know, <laughs> self-reputation. So that's, so we have to find the actual truth that the data doesn't show that it's like you said that Christianity started in the ancient near East. This was Northern Africa and the Middle East area in Israel, Egypt, um, it spread out to Ethiopia. It spread out to all sorts of parts in northern Africa and, and in the east. It did not start in the west. It voluntarily spread in the west. The, so, and this is a big difference between Christianity and Islam. Christianity for the first 300 years, all Christians, most Christians were held under persecution, some sort or another, whether they were put to death for their beliefs by Romans or by other neighboring enemies of Christianity or Jews. So this was this was very dangerous. Like this was not just a, Oh, let's all be happy go lucky and spread Christianity. It was dangerous. You were risking your life by accepting Christ, especially in those times. We have it easy now, even though we face the persecution that we do now, it's nothing compared to what you faced under Emperor Nero or or people like that. And so it definitely was an Eastern religion because otherwise it would be more modern. You could argue that Catholicism would be maybe not, uh, Eastern, but even, even that would be difficult to, to argue, Ultimately, Christ died in the East, not in the West, In Israel is where he died. We have his his site of crucifixion uh, in Israel. It's a very popular tourist site, and over the span of time, it just started to spread, and it more so spread to the West than the East, but that's because there were more dominant cultures already established in the East than there were in the West at that time, like China and other places like that. They already had established cultures. There wasn't as much of that in the West. And so that, you know, those movements, you know, the Greeks and then the Romans that disbanded and became Christians, they kind of spread over into the West. There, there was definitely some forced Christianity, if you want to call it, that did happen under certain governments in the West. But ultimately, in the initial phase of growth for Christianity, that that was not the case. It, you were in trouble, potentially, just for being a Christian, as opposed to like Islam, which was spread by the sword. It's not the same thing.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of of I think a lot of uh, faiths were at one point forcing people to 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 make that conversion. Islam was one. Uh, obviously, if you were Christian, it was they were feeding you to the lions in the Colosseum. So that you know, they, it does happen, and it still happens to some point in, in in certain areas. You know, look at India, where you have people who are uh, Muslim, and then you have people who believe in Hinduism, and they are still clashing to this day. You know what I mean? Because of of their different faiths. I think it's right now, I think faiths God is the number one reason that I think most people have died in the world is because fighting for the faith that they believe in. Um, that's I think has caused the most deaths is, is, is God is people fighting in the name of God, which to me in itself, it's crazy to me that people would actually kill other people over their faith when if they're following God, God teaches you to love everyone. You know what I mean? He's not telling you to take somebody's life (laughs) over him. Even in Islam, Islam is supposed to be a a religion of peace and love, but you know, you still have people who take, you know, things literally and and use that to their advantage to, you know, invoke things that are end up being violent, just like like any other culture, the Christian culture too. They have their extremists as well. And I think it's gotten to the point now where we just can't have a civil conversation like you and I have right now. We're having a civil conversation, having some some good dialogue back and forth. But I think a lot of people can't do that. You get mudslinging now. You get people who you know, just wants to just talk and scream and yell and, and not listen and pay attention. You can agree to disagree. But my thing is, listen to what somebody has to say. You don't have to soak it all in and say, yes, yes, I agree to everything. No, you make your own, your mind, own mind up on how you feel and what's in your heart. But at least take the opportunity to have a civil conversation with the person. And I think that's what's missing today.
1: Yeah. You know, I would say now I wouldn't say God is what people are fighting over. So to say, I think it's uh, themselves and selfish leaders that are making them believe that it's for God. Ultimately in Christianity, we, you know, if you read the gospels, you don't have to read the rest of the New Testament. Jesus in no way, shape or form justifies starting a war over him. Then if you read Romans, Romans chapter seven, I think, or eight, where he explicitly goes against like you, like you can't against your government unless your government is you know telling you to eat your neighbors or something like that but uh, if you're you follow the rule of law you're, you're not supposed to start an insurrection type thing as a christian you're supposed to try to live like christ and hopefully emulate that to others to make them want to be like you and so i think most of the religion because even a lot of religions teach and they have a lot of truth in them they have a lot of peaceful attributes to them especially uh hinduism right there's no violence really so to say in Hinduism, but it ultimately falls from the leaders that manipulate the masses and say, well, this is what we're supposed to do, this in the name of God, but really it's in the name of them. Right. And what's funny now is we're in this secular culture that's very anti-God in the West. And so we have leaders saying, Oh, I'll fight for your country. Eh, no, you're actually just fighting for what these leaders want. You know, you're you're doing this because this is what I want you to do. I like when we went into the Middle East, I don't care what anybody says. We didn't find weapons of mass destruction, did we? No. <laughs> so we weren't fighting for our country at that point. We were fighting for the leaders and the people that said, "Go in here, fight for me," because they sure weren't putting helmets on, and grabbing rifles, and running out there. So that's i. It's it's the same story, just different tune. It's been like that all throughout history.
0: So, like to me, you have three separate uh, uh, three separate faiths. You have Islam. You have Judaism. You have Christianity. They're all desert. Drove desert Face, They all, I, they all sprung essentially from each other. Like I don't understand uh, is what people don't understand about that. They all come from the same place. They're just interpreted differently. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. what do you? How do you feel about that? Knowing that all these, all these, all three are from the same place and in, in, <laughs> in the same area.
1: I mean, I mean, it's it's a historical fact. I mean, there's nothing. I don't think it has like the location has nothing to do with the truth of it. Ultimately, it has to do with the evidence that we have to back the historicity of each book, right? Now, I look at Judaism as just—or Christianity as the complete Judaism. Um, the, you know, it's, Judaism is half of Christianity. It doesn't refute it. It's just missing the next part. Um, Islam, though, and Christianity can't both be true. They have to be—one that of them has to be false, and then either they're both false— one of them is false, and the other's not. That's the only they can't both be true. Um, so I, I think the best thing to do is to just look at the the facts and the evidence behind it. to me, <clears throat> I think a big issue that would pull me away from Islam if I were to step back from an agnostic position and look at both of them, well, the story of Christ, Islam says that Christ did not die and was, you know, crucified, uh, died and rose from the dead. Christ was never actually killed, and that he was a prophet. He wasn't the Son of God. And so this, the entire basis of Christianity hinges on the resurrection. If there is no resurrection, there is no Christianity. So I, this, now we we have to have an explanation then for the events that did take place in the New Testament, because even the skeptical scholars will tell you Jesus died his followers thought that he rose from the dead. They they saw what they believed to be the risen Jesus. The tomb was found to be empty and that, of course, Jesus had attestations of miracles. It, I'm t- people who don't believe in God, that are historians, will attest that this is historically true. Now, what do you make of those facts? What would your explanation be for the resurrection? And I, I just don't think that um, I don't think that the claims of Islam are as powerful as the ones in Christianity, and they don't hold the same truth. And then another thing too, Muhammad never did any miracles, so to say. So that's kind of strange for somebody to be like a prophet of God. A lot of the prophets in the Old Testament, they perform miracles. Uh, Jesus definitely performed miracles. And so who do we believe the stories, and then the stories of Jesus are also verified by ancient historians that are either Jews or Romans or other or Greeks that are not Christian, like Josephus, Tacitus, Pliny the Younger, the Jewish Talmud is plenty. We have like 10 plus non-Christian sources from the antiquity period that verify the existence of Jesus, the crucifixion, and everything up to the attestations of the resurrection. None of those actually verify the resurrection from seeing it because they couldn't have. But I, I think if you analyze the evidence, the evidence is in favor of Christianity so although they may have all come from the same area
0: i think that, that that would be that's that's why i believe and that's why i defend it so in in your opinion like when i was younger i used to think of of god as a as a wheel right and he's in the middle as a spoke and there, and everything that's coming out is the different religions and different people but it's all leading to the same place this was my belief when i was younger because you know it's like the tower uh, tower of babel when he struck struck it down and he sent everybody off to different lands and had them speak different tongues. My belief was when I was younger, how did we not know he gave them different paths to find him? You know, if they spoke different languages, they, you know, they couldn't speak to each other anymore. So he, how did he not put a different path in front of them to lead him to the same, lead them to the same place?
1: Well, so in, I think it's Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 29, some, I could be wrong, but it's definitely Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. For Christ says, if you are true, if you truly seek God, you will find him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also in Romans, it says you'll be judged by your knowledge. So let's say you were truly seeking God and you never found the Christian God, but you found God. Like if you were on an island somewhere and your your you and your family were on some island where you never got contacted by any sort of missionary, so you never had a chance to hear about God. If God is all loving and all just, he'll judge you accordingly to your knowledge, as he says he will in Romans. So if you had no opportunity to find out about Christ, if God is all just, he has to be fair. I I would think that you would have a shot to get into heaven at that point. Um, You'll be judged for your sins like everybody else. But if you were repentant, knowing that you're a sinner, like everyone does, um, but you just didn't have that exact truth, right? Because you weren't exposed to the scriptures. I think God would be fair as he says he is. There's no reason to think he wouldn't be. So to to people that it's ultimately based on your knowledge, if you've never been exposed to that, if you've never had a chance to learn of it, but you tried, you genuinely tried to do that, then God will be just. His decision will be just. And we know what justice looks like because we're made in his image.
0: Love that answer. Uh, you, I mean, every every question that I've thrown at you, you you've you come right back and, and you've had an answer for it. And, and I appreciate it. I appreciate the dialogue we've had here today. I, I think we need more of it. It's OK to disagree. It's OK not to, you know, have the same beliefs as everybody else. Uh, but, you know, being a good person is not hard. It's not hard to do. You know, it's walking a, a straighter path than you can walk and finding, you know, what works for you is there's nothing wrong with that. I think people take things either to the extreme or or they get offended too easily when we have conversations like this. And we're in a cancel culture world right now, where if you say the wrong thing, people try to cancel you. Um, But I'm glad we were able to have this conversation. It was great. Let everybody know where they can find you again um, and uh, the sites that you're on. Oh, thanks. Absolutely. And again, this has
1: been an awesome conversation. This is my favorite thing to talk about. So anytime, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, you can find us on YouTube at truth over tea, one word, tea, like the drink, tea. i I've been sipping on this whole time here. So, and it's on TikTok, it's truth over tea. I think the same thing. I, I edited the 3.0 because they've banned like four of my accounts, but it's okay. They're not going to stop me. So truth over tea, either on both, our title is truth over tea 3.0 on TikTok, and then truth over tea on YouTube and on Facebook as well. Our emblem, our logo is like a little cup of tea with, steam coming up and in the steam is a cross. So you can uh, you kind of get it from there. But check us out. We got tons of videos, more stuff coming out. We have live stream debates, um, podcast style talks, and then a lot of shorts because we know people like to look at the short videos. Um, and just any kind of questions that you guys have, send us an email at totapologetics.com. We're happy to answer any sort of struggles or questions you,
0: that you have around Christianity or theism in general. Well, I appreciate you, Adam. You're welcome back on the show anytime. Uh, I'm going to leave you with what I leave everybody with. No matter what anybody tells you, if you found your purpose, live it. Thank you, folks. We'll talk to you later.